even if、uh, you're not attired in purple and fine linen most days, and you don't find yourself feasting sumptuously each afternoon, if you don't drink big bowls of wine as you sit on your beds of ivory, well, this is still about us. This is still about us. Most of us gathered here are rich. In comparison to 99% of the world, so before we distance ourselves from the rich man, from being implicated in this reading, before we kind of sit back into our pew and relax and say, "Thank God I'm not that rich man,"、um, you know, I'm merely comfortable financially, not like this rich man. I'm not going to lose perspective, like he did. Well. Sorry,、uh, Jesus wants you back on the edge of your seat. He wants our attention. He wants us to listen this morning. And before we say more about Jesus, what Jesus wants us to hear, I want to say this: that if you are poor, if you are poor, if you're longing for something to fall from the table of the rich, like Lazarus, if you Uh, stand in great need. Jesus sees you. Jesus sees you. Jesus treasures you. Jesus longs for resources to be shared with you abundantly, so that you have what you need now. And Jesus has a reserved seat at the table at the heavenly banquet for you, at the head of the table. I want to be clear to make that point. And now. Back to the point Jesus wants us to hear for those who are rich. In our reading, we have Lazarus. He's starving at the gate of the rich man, and he becomes invisible to him. He's there every day, day in and day out. But the rich man, kind of comforted with all of the creature comforts, he loses the vision to see the man, and he fails to show him mercy, fails to show compassion. And the biblical word about riches is that they are seductive. They're seductive. That's why Jesus ended last week's gospel reading, which is just before our reading today, with "You cannot serve God and wealth," meaning it's really tempting to serve wealth. Jesus saw that. It has a seductive power. They're tantalizing. They can take hold of us. You know, they have ultimately the power to separate us from God. Living into what God wants in our lives and for the life of the world, and they have the the power to separate us from one another, thinking that we need each other,、uh, need to rely on each other, need to care about one another. They have that kind of power. I don't think that needs actually much convincing. I just think that's true for all of us. We know it, and it's it's not riches in themselves that are condemned, unless they've been.、Um, Uh, had by way of you know terrible injustice, or you've just straight up cheated. There's a hard word about those riches, but it's not riches and money in themselves that are understood to be evil in、uh, in the Bible. It's the behavior that riches can create, which we've touched on: being separated from God and one another. You know, closing yourself off from the will of God coming through in your life, and that looks like what. The responsibility we have to our neighbors, the responsibility we have、uh, to the stranger. The Bible talks about that a lot. The, the stranger, the immigrant, the poor. 
the will of God coming through in our lives looks like our care for our enemies, for the poor, for strangers. Nobody said it was easy, this gospel, but here we are. And that's the will of God enacted, care for the poor. The first letter of Timothy, which also is appointed today, we don't read it at the 910 service, but you can find it in your 1115 bulletin online. Uh, the first letter of Timothy says that those who have riches are commanded not to be haughty or to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but rather on God. They are to do good, to be rich in good works, generous, ready to share, thus storing up for themselves the treasure of a good foundation for the future, so that they may take hold of the life that really is life. Who doesn't want that? The life that really, truly is life. First Timothy gives us a roadmap for what to do with our treasures. Share them. Store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Jesus says in another place in Luke's gospel, and we all know this, we hear it often, to whom much has been given, much will be required. It's, it's kind of cliche. We say it all the time. Actually, Jesus said it in Luke's gospel. To whom much is given, much will be required. So with our money, with our riches, we are commanded, we're commanded to be generous and merciful. This isn't even a stewardship sermon, you know? We're just commanded to be generous with what we have, to seek and serve Christ in all people, not just the people that look like us or the people that we like, but the poor, the immigrant, even the enemy. As the rich man, he lost the vision, the vision of the kingdom. He shut himself off from the will of God and his riches became uh, that which he served. They became his Lord, his idol, and he turned in on himself. He couldn't see anybody anymore. I mean, I like to imagine that in his mansion, he invited people over to have these rich, big feasts. Uh, I hope that he wasn't eating alone, uh, but you know, he was only inviting those like him, the rich, like him. And God wants him to open up because what he's done is he's lost the sight. He's lost that life that is truly life. It's, there's no joy there. He's cut off from other humans, cut off from the world, cut off from God. Because, you know, when God is in charge, and that's what we come back here week by week, and as we participate in our spiritual work throughout the week, we try to remember that when God is in charge, because God is, but when I open myself up to that, then the kingdom gets ushered in. It becomes more and more on earth as it is in heaven, and everyone has a seat at the table. That's our work, the Christian work, the Jesus work in our world, that everyone has a seat at the table. No one is left out. It's hard, right? And the rich man, I mean, what's at stake in our, our story from our gospel, the rich man in the afterlife, he's, he's cut off from the feasting. He begs Lazarus to come to his assistance. He begs for mercy, but it's too late. It's too late. He had all those opportunities to share what he had, and he didn't do it. So for us, it's an urgent word. Jesus wants us to listen, be on the edge of our seat, and say, you have to serve the poor now. You have your life now, only now, to serve the poor. That's what it means to faithfully follow Jesus, to be with the poor, to love the poor. So who is at our gate 
begging for mercy? Who is at your gate begging for mercy? Our gospel this morning is an invitation as we start out on this new program year. Start out on this new school year, this new church program year. We all want to become more like Jesus Christ. We long uh, to grow in the knowledge and love of him and for our lives to be this walking sacrament that shows forth uh, the kingdom of God. And there are all kinds of ways that we can do that, right? We commit to worship. We read our Bible. We say our prayers so that we become conformed to Christ's nature. But I challenge us early on in this program year to think about someone whom you are personally involved with who is poor. This week, think about that. Who are you involved with personally who's poor? And if no one comes to mind, uh, I encourage you to do something about that and make a change. Change your behavior. Find someone who's poor. Pay attention to who's at your gate. Think about participating in the mission ministries here at St. James, the way that we as the body of Christ seek to enact the kingdom of God if you need some help in getting started with that personal relationship. But, you know, take a risk, have a conversation, share a coat, give some money, enter into, um, see Christ in someone who's poor this fall. Because I promise you, uh, you'll grow spiritually. You will become conformed more to the image and likeness of Jesus Christ. I can promise you that. So do that work, that hard work, early this fall to see about growing in that way so that we might be sure that we're running in the right direction. You know, we're storing up for ourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth, you know, nor rust can touch it. The warning of this parable for us is edge of the seats kind of stuff. If we're listening, if we'll attend to the words on the page, to the spirit speaking to us and the call is urgent, do something about it to us all, share our possessions, be merciful, be generous, remember the responsibilities uh, we have as followers of Jesus Christ, the responsibilities of the kingdom, to dismantle injustice, to serve the people sitting at our gates. And here's the good news, because it's been all challenged so far. Here's the good news. That haunting chasm between the rich man and Lazarus that was in our gospel, that haunting chasm between the hell that we create and between the heavenly banquet, that great distance that seems impossible to traverse, here's the good news, a bridge has been built. A bridge has been built. The cross of Jesus Christ is the bridge standing between these two realities. He laid it all down, he laid himself down. He lays himself down now, this morning, in our celebration of the Eucharist for us and for our salvation that we might run across the bridge into the life that truly is life, joy, wonder, beauty, the life that truly is life. He's laid it all down. He's the bridge. Let's run across. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.